in 2020, we witnessed several of the same atrocities that have plagued us in the black community for decades. We witnessed the system gun us down with impunity and detain us without fair trial. We witnessed the system miseducate our youth and misdiagnose our elders. We witnessed the system demonize our way of living, marginalize our income, and then price us up out of our homes. The time for discussion was decades ago. The time for action is now. We begin today with probably the most documented, highly publicized issue plaguing the black community, police brutality. What is police brutality? Police brutality is the excessive and unwarranted use of force by law enforcement. Police brutality in the African-American community has become routine. In the U.S., police officers have behaved as regulators and watchdogs for departments targeting to disrupt and destabilize black communities. there's more police brutality um there's less trust so people act accordingly and black people feel like you know they're kind of in this community on their own they have to fend for their own because they cannot trust the police it's not that that african-americans hate police officers that i don't really feel like that's the case there there may be some out there that do um and we want to feel comfortable and be able to call the police officers when our grandma our grandpa are getting robbed or when someone just got shot. We want to feel comfortable enough to be able to do that. Um, but since day one, the police structure and the police system has not really given African-Americans um, the liability or the trust to be able to do that. I'm like, I still got my hands in there. I say, no, I just got shot. So I'm like, sir, why did you shoot me? And his, ex and his words to me, he said, I don't know. I was really worried, more worried about him than myself because I'm not gonna, as long as I got my hands up, they're not gonna shoot me. This is what I'm thinking. They're not gonna shoot me. Wow, was I wrong? He's like, please don't shoot me. But why they shot the black boy and not the fat boy? Not only do they harass, beat, and kill us on an everyday basis, you know, when we start to resist, they actually turn up you know, the level of violence and repression that we see, or that we experience. July 17th, Eric Garner is about to be arrested in Staten Island, New York, for illegally selling loose cigarettes. But something goes horribly wrong, and it's all caught on tape by a bystander. I'm minding my business, officer. I'm minding my business. Please just leave me alone. That's Garner, a black 43-year-old father of six weighing 350 pounds. Several New York City police officers are about to take him down. Look closely. One officer, Daniel Pantaleo, who is white, has his arm around Garner's neck. Listen to Garner's cries, muffled by the pavement. What police may not have known was that Garner suffered from asthma. His body appears to go limp. If you empower black people, the entire system collapses. So, 
police are there to, to keep us suppressed, make sure uh, we don't get out of line. And if we do get out of line, they'll act accordingly, which usually means to someone being locked up, uh, brutalized, and in many cases, murdered. The newly released dash cam video shows the moment when Officer Geronimo Yanez stopped Philando Castile for a broken taillight last July, first asking Castile for his license and registration. I have to tell you, I do have a okay. firearm okay. on Don't reach for it, then. Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. Put my Use your phone. It's in your lap okay, right there. I just don't want to put my hands down. I'm really sorry. I'm just. You're just wrong. No, no, no. I've just seen way too many videos of problems. But you're not black. Remember, we only kill black people. Yeah, we only kill black people, right? All the videos you've seen. Have you seen any white people get killed? Santa Bland and so many others uh, that become martyrs right, for black America because they end up being murdered as a result of a traffic stop. Um, you really start to understand how systemic, how persistent, and how um, detrimental it is. Colorado police under fire for taking a woman and four clearly unarmed children, the youngest just six years old, and holding them in custody, often at gunpoint, forcing them to lie cuffed face down, as you see here on the ground, scared and humiliated. This was in a salon parking lot for upwards of two hours. These kids had been for weeks and months seeing on the news every night white police officers killing African-Americans for no reason whatsoever. And these little kids get pulled out of a car at gunpoint and how any cop believes there is any justification for pointing a gun at a six-year-old child, it's beyond me. Uh, but these kids are, th this is a life-changing event for these kids. There's kids, there's kids, they had guns on, on kids. And the interesting thing about um, police terrorism is that it really only takes one incident uh, to change the entire trajectory of a black person's life. Dad, why are cops killing kids? Will they shoot us too? God forbid. It's time I had a talk with you. There'll be times that I won't be there to walk with you. So if I can't hold your hands, I'm going to talk you through. Now, America is great, but it's built on racism. Tradition, some switch it, but others, it stays in them. Pass from generation to generation to snub you. So cops cop attitudes and judges prejudge you. You see them as heroes, but man, woman, or child, we're threatening their eyes. We also see uh, the impact that it has on our children because now our children are growing up taught to act certain ways when they are approached by police officers. They're taught to speak and say certain things. They said they're taught that they can't do um, what our white counterparts uh, could do and get away with. We actually have a line that we do at our house. We practice this thing. What is it? I'm Ariel Sky Williams. I'm eight years old. I'm unarmed and I have nothing that will hurt you. It's just kind of a thing we practice at our house. You have to prepare your children to live in a world where then when they interface with the police, 
they need to be intentional and they need to understand that the same rules that applies to their friends of other races that are, but well, let's just be clear. The rules that apply to their white friends don't apply to them. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you do or say will not matter at this point because your skin color has already confessed to the crime. You have the right to attorney who will try as hard as to see that justice is served in a jury of our peers, aka our attorneys, who will have to amount match 12 to 1. If you cannot afford an attorney, won't be appointed to you free of charge because he's also on our payroll. Do you understand these rights as they have been read to you? Whoa, 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 whoa. I see you reaching for your nine millimeter wallet. I see you reaching for your 38 caliber inhaler. Don't move. Stop breathing. You're puffing up your chest. I feel threatened. Is that a weapon? Lay down, no. Face down, no. Face ground. Pow. Oops, I did it again. In September of 2019, a six-year-old student named Kaya was sitting in her school's office. Okay, she's gonna have to come with us now. That's a police officer. This video comes from his body camera. At first, it seems like Kaya doesn't know what's happening. Earlier that day, Kaya had a tantrum. Three school employees said that she had kicked them. The school called the police, who arrested Kaya on charges of misdemeanor battery. The police dropped the charges. After Kaya's grandmother sent this video to the Orlando Sentinel. Kaya's case isn't an isolated incident. A five-year-old girl being handcuffed by police in Florida. For a year, he could not sleep alone. He um, put handcuffs on me. Tossed to the ground by a school resource officer. <laughs> what you're seeing are the effects of a larger problem in American schools. The U.S. doesn't treat all students equally. But if we wanted to, we could do something about that. A lot of school districts don't have police um, on their campuses, right? But at the schools that I worked at as a, a community youth organizer, there was always a police presence. In some cases, there were more police than, um, than counselors. 1.7 million students are in schools with police, but no counselors. And 3 million have police in schools, but no nurses. They prioritize keeping your, your child suppressed versus empowering your child through education. Because if that's, if they wanted your child to be empowered through education, they'll have a counselor to help them get into college. Susan Ferris, a reporter for the nonprofit Center for Public Integrity, says student behavior that leads to police intervention occurs at the rate of six for every thousand students nationwide each year. Virginia has the highest state rate, 16 referrals per thousand students. Across the country, there are school districts that have high rates, while a school district um, in a neighboring county may not have uh, any referrals at all. The police department for LAUSD, they have tanks. People don't realize this. Why do you have tanks? They have rocket launchers. Uh, they have all these different things, right? But like they don't have counselors. Police violence in America is a complex issue with a deep and troubling past. A young black male today is 21 times more likely to be killed by police than a young white man. 
And because of the legal doctrine called qualified immunity, in 99% of police killings, the officer is never charged with the crime. To better understand this problem, we need to take a closer look at how we got here. First, we all need to understand that historically speaking, the black community has never really had a reason to trust in the police. Let's visit colonial America in the early 1700s. As the number of enslaved people grew in the South, many slave owners realized they were vastly outnumbered. Fearing a revolt, they needed a way to prevent an overthrow or mass escapes. This fear led to the creation of slave patrols. Slave patrols were essentially unofficial groups of armed white men tasked with policing enslaved people and preventing them from rebelling or escaping. These slave patrols had the power to beat and whip people who were not complying with zero accountability or oversight. As the use of slavery spread over the next hundred years, so did the use of slave patrols. If you look back to when police were first formed, they were really formed as slave catchers. Um, and they just transformed after slavery to become what we have now as the quote-unquote police system. That dynamic of, you know, white person, most of the time male, you know, uh, pursuing uh, a black person with the intent of capturing or killing that person um, has always existed. And so it kind of evolved from slave patrol into policing. And um, the level of brutality uh, that you see is um, in alignment with the level of brutality that you saw um, when uh, black folks in America were enslaved. Even if you look at uh, a slave catcher's badge, it looks exactly like a badge of, a, of the LA Sheriff's. Um, the canine, right? The canine unit today, back, you know, back in 17, 1800s, they used canines, German shepherds, um, other, other dogs to catch black people. Now we arrive at the Civil War. The Confederacy loses and slavery is no longer legal. With slave patrols officially dismantled, former militants and organizations like the KKK stepped in to fill the void. According to them, someone needed to police the large number of black people who were previously enslaved. As states adopted segregation and Jim Crow laws, these old slave patrol structures morphed into official police organizations, now in charge of policing the black community. Over the following century, we see many examples of police either participating in violence towards African-Americans or turning a blind eye to it. Coming out of slavery and um, Jim Crow, I mean, you had, you know, black people getting put into the convict leasing system, you know, things of that nature. And then, you know, you hear early blues songs, like um, I think it's Georgia Stockyard Blues uh, from like 1927, where, you know, the singer is, is complaining about, you know, police brutality and how, you know, she was locked up and convicted for doing nothing wrong except for existing and being poor and being black. And so, you know, it's been a hundred years later and we're still complaining about the same things. From the end of the Civil War until about 1950, there were over 4,000 public lynchings of black Americans in almost every state in the country. And police departments would often ignore these public executions. In 1921, there was the Black Wall Street Massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where an angry mob killed as many as 300 black business owners and burned down entire blocks of black owned businesses. In the 1940s and 50s, there was a black neighborhood in Birmingham, Alabama that was bombed so frequently by the white supremacists that people nicknamed it Dynamite Hill. 
Events like these and many others helped to promote the idea in the black community that the police did not exist to protect them. When we fast forward through the civil rights movement of the 1960s, the war on crime that racially targeted minorities through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and the current militarization of police departments that seem to have zero accountability or oversight, black communities still see no reason to trust in these police structures. I think um, not much has changed there, and I've seen how uh, police brutality is, has rocked communities. I mean, I remember in the 80s with the war on drugs, you've seen, you know, them coming through with military equipment and battering rams and knocking down people's doors. African-Americans know pain and trauma all too well. From the evils of the Middle Passage to the tortures of slavery, police brutality is our most recent torment. Racism is very real. Dr. Kendall Jasper, a licensed psychologist with ARJ in Charlotte, says racism and even the perception of it could have long-lasting traumatic effects. It can create a downward spiral in the way that we think. More often than not, you find yourself angry and anxious, and it can invoke some flashbacks. Dr. Jasper adds, not all people have the mental and intellectual capacity to channel their energy in a proper way. Some talk their problems out, while others act out in anger. It's complex. It's just not as simple as someone being a thug. And we need to equally be talking about what created the issue as we are talking about the, the effect. It has historically just instilled this level of fear in the black community to where as black people, we can't separate policing in this country from institutionalized racism. When it comes to police brutality, we all know about the trauma for those who are all involved, but there's also trauma, or I guess there's a mental health spillover effect for those indirectly involved as well. On November 22nd, 2014, the world seen um, my son get murdered, you know, and my life has been up and down in the world, man, let me tell you that. You know, you got that one kid that won't leave your side, that was Tamir. He was a joy to have. He loved his mama. He was growing up though. He was he was growing up. I think he even had a little girlfriend. Yeah, his first girlfriend. Yeah, he you know, his first girlfriend. You know, I'm thankful that I have a video surveillance of my son cuz a lot of moms don't. I'm so thankful for that camera right there. Do you understand me? I could sleep just a little bit at night because if I didn't have that camera, you know, I'd still be wondering what happened to my son. What really happened to my son? Because I know if you know how you raise your kids, you know how you raise your kids. And I know my son didn't do nothing, so I would have still been wondering what happened to him. about just driving down the street, you know, or driving, you know, in certain like nice areas and it's a certain type of car because like you just know like in the back of your head like oh, I'm still black. Wow. <laughs>
pulled over for not even violating a traffic ticket. It's like, that's PTSD, whether you've suffered police brutality or not. You know someone who has, or you've seen it, you witnessed it on the news. So just something simple like that is like, and then knowing that when you get put over that you could possibly go to jail for the rest of your life. Whether if like, however that happened, you could go to jail for the rest of your life or you can possibly get killed based on this regular, normal traffic stop. Even to this day, uh, when a police officer pulls up behind me and he's, uh, you know, whether he's flashing his lights or whether he's just pulling over into my lane, I get a little nervous, even though I know I'm doing nothing wrong. Because, you know, I think just that form of PTSD, uh, a lot of Black people have experienced uh, due to what we've experienced or what we've seen uh, when it comes to police brutality in America. When you think of police, you think of something that should be a public benefit, whereas for the Black community, it feels more like a detriment. I don't deal with jails. don't deal with jails, and I don't deal with police. My house got robbed in New York. I didn't even call the police. <laughs> I wanted to, but I couldn't. My crib is too nice. It's not that it's too nice, but it's too nice for me. <laughs> you know how the police are in New York. Soon as I open the door, they'll be like, oh, he's still here. <laughs> open and shut case, Johnson. Apparently, this black guy broke in and hung up pictures of his family everywhere. Never seen anything like it. Um, I wasn't aware uh, or conscious about the history of police brutality until I was like a teenager. I say late teens, early 20s. But um, I always grew up with the fear of the police. Like my mom always told me like whenever we used to drive by a police car, I used to just have like anxiety. I think there are good and great people who are cops. Right. But I think the term good cop is a conundrum. Sort of, it's an oxymoron. Right. Because the job ain't good. The job ain't good. The machine. The, the machine. They are a part of a machine that's not good. They right. are agents of a machine that are not good. Is there, are there good people in those roles? Absolutely. Right, 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 right. Great people who really thought they were joining to make a difference and make a change. There are some good policemen out there, good police women. I have met some, but at the same time, um, sometimes when there's one rotten apple, that's how you perceive the whole bunch. Los Angeles Police Department are looking into reports that its officers allegedly passed around a Valentine's Day image that mocked George Floyd's death. Eyewitness News reporter Rachel Brown live in the newsroom with details. Rachel. Yeah, that's right, Leslie. According to an LAPD spokesperson, the post allegedly showed Floyd's face and was captioned, you take my breath away. That, of course, is in reference to the police killing of George Floyd last spring. Floyd's cause of death listed as asphyxiation from, from sustained pressure. Excuse me. The LAPD 
PD says it received a complaint from a department member that the insensitive image mocking Floyd was being circulated on Valentine's Day, and the department says it has not identified the actual posting, and they don't know if it was created. That's not me, or we got bad apples. This is always us as a whole. We are sorry. I think to hear you say you're sorry is one of the most powerful things I've ever heard. Thank you. Right now, the country and the world is hurting. And this is a 400 plus years of hurt. And I know a lot of people say, I understand. Well, no, I live it. I'm black. And we need to have a dialogue and talk about it. On June 5th, the Washington, D.C. mayor unveiled a statement painted down the street leading to the White House. Black Lives Matter. Within 24 hours, Black Lives Matter activists responded with their own message, defund the police. This slogan caught on rapidly among tens of thousands of people protesting police brutality in the United States. the whole defund the police thing i feel like that's a good strategy it's kind of like the this what we gonna do this if this keeps happening this one needs to be done what is it that they want to defund what is it they want to take the funds and do take the funds and you know take the funds from their from their pay and then use it for training you know that's those are, would be my questions what is it that you want to do what is it that you look to accomplish if you want to defund the police i mean it still is one of the most dangerous professions in the world i really think about it pretty simply which is what are the things the police are doing right now that can actually be given over to other groups of people, other workers who've been trained to do that particular thing? So we can mm -hmm. just start off with homelessness. Police are at the helm of criminalizing the homeless. Um, we don't need them to be at the helm of criminalizing the homeless. We need mayors and county government to actually show up and put dollars and money towards people who are um, homeless and giving them housing and shelter. Um, what about people who have mental health crisis? Why are the police the first responders? Um, this is not actually a job for a police officer. It's a job for a social worker, a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. All this infrastructure is essentially gutted in communities that I live in and communities around the country. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening though, is they're replaced with um, over bloated police budgets. And so you look at Los Angeles, where I'm from, which our LAPD department actually receives 54% of the city's budget meaning that everything else that a community needs, they're not receiving, but they are receiving a gun and a badge, and that is deeply unfortunate. I'm a big supporter of, you know, defunding the police or finding ways to help train these police so they won't always think of us as a threat or criminals. I mean, definitely, it's morbid, it's bad, it shouldn't be happening, defund the police, but in the same sense, I'm grateful for it. There's an organization called Students Deserve um, in Los Angeles, and they actually cut the police budget by millions of dollars. They actually wanted, their campaign was to get rid of the police uh, in LAUSD. Um, they're still pushing for that. Don't get it twisted. But even if you can cut $20, $30 million out of the, the police's budget, that's still a victory. The need to rethink police budgets has become even more glaring in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. Many have called attention to the fact that hospital workers struggle to get personal protective equipment, while thousands of police officers have riot gear at the ready for protests. 
Even in response to the pandemic, while many agencies grapple with coronavirus budget cuts, police budgets have largely remained intact. New York City's proposal for the coming fiscal year cuts just 5% of the NYPD budget. But that same proposal calls for a 12% cut to the Department of Health. This is where the movement to defund the police comes in. It's a push to take the billions of dollars cities spend on police and move that funding to other services, like housing, jobs, or mental health care. We live in an economy of punishment. We, as in Black people, as in poor people, as in marginal people, um, police are not used to keep us safe. What we've seen over the last seven years is Black people being killed, humiliated, violated, sexually assaulted, maimed by law enforcement. And we haven't seen it get any better. Reimagining public safety in this moment is a matter of life or death. For years, reforms like introducing police body cameras have been proposed across the country as a response to police brutality. But these reforms have only added more money to police budgets, even when, as studies like this one in DC show, they have no detectable effect on police use of force. Black people are strong beyond comprehension. And the police are, the police as well as others, are afraid of the power that we possess within our community. And you know, the thing that gets me is that there's so many viable solutions to fixing the broken police system that are not being taken seriously. And I think that we need to dismantle the current system, go back to the drawing board and completely revamp what is, what is not working for uh, Black people in their communities. They don't protect and serve the interests of the everyday people. They protect and serve the interests of of the elite and I don't know if we can actually reform uh, the police. Societal failure, we put it off on the cops assault. Not enough mental health funding, let the cop handle it. Not enough drug addiction funding, let's give it to the cops. Schools failed, give it to the cops. Policing was never meant to solve all those problems. this concept of monopoly of violence where only agents of the state are legally allowed to use force but when it comes to the police it's primarily used on you know black americans
they're just allowed to actually kill us with impunity. The police officers that did abuse their power, if they were charged, they actually were charged and, and had, to, had to be sentenced. But they just, they continue to get off. They may lose their jobs. Um, but what people don't know is most of them, depending on the time that they've been on, still get their pensions. Um, they're, you know, maybe they've made enough money to be able to, um, you know, because they, you know, because their pay was pretty good. And so maybe they're able to save. And so they still are well off and do pretty well. Police brutality also creates a sort of like mass learned helplessness in our communities. Um, you know, because we know that police officers are rarely punished, like we know that they can literally kill us on the spot. So all we can do is comply with injustice. Police brutality is not an issue alone, right? Um, it's an interwoven into a much larger system of systemic oppression and racism. I hope one day that, that we get to that point where African-Americans could fully 100% trust the police system. Uh, but today, I don't think that's the case. And I hope with everything that happened this summer through George Floyd, that we, we finally see a form of justice uh, being placed on police officers. All right, let's just be real. Police brutality has always been a problem within our community. Um, Over-policing, um, the death of, well, the unnecessary death of our people from the people who are supposed to protect us has always been a thing. But because it got shined in the light so heavily, we got these movements that started and we started to get actual change. Things are, are, are shifting, things are changing. Um, and I, I'm a true believer that we need to redefine public safety and it most likely won't include police. The system was not designed to protect black people and compiling that with poverty and the war on drugs in the black community, um, police brutality has just um, left us feeling hopeless. And 
not empowered to call on the very systems that were supposed to be designed to protect and to serve us. And, you know, I, I think that the, in the most recent light of the, the, the current um, situations, that it definitely feels like there's a vendetta against Black people, that the police are out to get us and to annihilate us in a sense. Prosecution is not the ideal solution to the disproportionate killings of Black men and women at the hands of law enforcement. Because of their work with police departments, prosecutors are oftentimes more reluctant to bring charges against law enforcement officials. This conflict of interest is one that has been upheld by the criminal justice system for decades and continues to plague the greater Black community to this day. Ultimately, we are not going to solve police brutality and criminal justice with the criminal justice system. On the next episode of No Church in the Wild, we'll take a deeper look at the system and answer the question of, is the system broken or is it operating exactly as it was intended to? I wonder if America, when she wakes up and sees that black people ain't sleeping no more because the American dream is the African-American nightmare. I'm tired that laws are written as lullabies to black people. And I'm forced to stay woke in this society. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired because I'm forced to stay woke in this society. And if I go back to sleep, I might stay asleep forever.